This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Episode 227 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded on Thursday, June 18th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, June 22nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Cam. I'm Jace. And I'm Kenna. Kenna, why don't you tell us what we have in store this week? This week, we're honored to interview Adam Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy's son, and to talk about For the Love of Spock, a documentary that takes a personal, intimate look at the life and career of Leonard Nimoy and his alter ego, Mr. Spock. In Star Trek Online News, we'll be telling you about the rewards for the new featured episode that's just come out, and we'll be talking about the forum migration. And as always, before we wrap things up, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Speaking of hailing frequencies, it's great to receive all your messages, so chat with us during our live stream on Thursday nights at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live, or answer our community questions by commenting on our website, Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOne, or via Twitter at STO PriorityOne. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters that make this show possible from week to week. Because of their support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page. One last thing, listeners. We're looking for an audio assistant to help edit the show each week. If you think you'd like to try your hand, send us an email at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com or click on Red Shirt Uncle Sam on our website for more information. And now we turn to Elijah for an interview with Adam Nimoy and learn more about the documentary For the Love of Spock. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Joining us on this episode of Priority One Podcast is a very special guest, Adam Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy's son, who is currently undertaking a monumental project to produce a documentary that takes a personal, intimate look at the life and career of his father, and the iconic role he played as Mr. Spock. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Nimoy. First, I I really am deeply sorry for your loss, and I know that I speak for for so many fans, as I'm sure you already know when I say that your father's body of work is, is really a phenomenon that will withstand the test of time. And so thank you for sharing a glimpse of his life and your relationship with him in this documentary that you are trying to produce. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to to, uh, talk about Dad and Star Trek and Mr. Spock and the project that I'm working on. 
Now, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Cryptic Studios, the, the game development company behind the massively multiplayer online game Star Trek Online, they actually created a memorial, a monument really, in the game for players to pay their respects. That's how influential his life has been, that it just it touches so many projects, so many lives. That's pretty impressive. I mean, I've been overwhelmed by the reaction to Dad's passing. Uh, in in all permutations, and this is just another one to add to that because it's uh, it's an, a wonderful tribute to a guy who uh, obviously influenced a lot of people, as did Mr. Spock. Uh, I had no idea the extent, however, but it's just been it's been overwhelming the outpouring of emotion, which has frankly been a great comfort to me and my family as we go through this transition period. Yes, absolutely. Well, if we can, why don't we start with an overview of the project and the documentary? Well, uh, in November of last year, I approached my dad about the possibility of working on a documentary based on the creation and, and the evolution and life of Mr. Spock. I had worked on a documentary with dad prior that was uh, about his life in Boston, and we had a really good time making that. It was pretty successful. So I thought I wanted to work on another project with him, and I wanted to do something, create something to help celebrate the 50th anniversary of Star Trek The Original Series, which I knew was coming up in 2016. So when I pitched the, the project to Dad, he immediately thought it was a wonderful idea, and we sat down and got to work on it right then and there. And he and I had, had discussed the project in great detail. We did some research together. We did an outline together. I did some treatments for him. And his, uh, his concept was to basically make it Spock-centric. In other words, I wanted to talk a little bit about my dad's life and how he came to the role and, and he, what happened to him after the role of Spock and how it affected his career which he was okay with, but he really was very clear that the, the movie should be you know, focused on Mr. Spock um, because uh, that is his most iconic role, and uh, that's what the fans are, uh, really want to hear. And my dad has a sense of humility about himself. He didn't want to be touting, uh, you know, this is a, uh, a, a documentary about Leonard Nimoy, made by Leonard Nimoy. So, but when Dad passed in February due to end-stage COPD, and there was this huge outpouring of emotion from fans in social media and contacting my family and I through, you know, Instagram and uh, and our Facebook pages uh, and and phone messages, it became pretty clear that people were not only grieving the loss of Mr. Spock, the icon, but a lot of people were talking about the loss that they felt about Leonard Nimoy, the artist, because so many people respected him for his artistic integrity, for his desire to express himself in different ways and challenge himself outside of Star Trek. And for his humanitarianism, because he was a social activist uh, and political activist with uh, in the later years, all through his life, really, but particularly in the later years with his uh, his wife, Susan, my stepmother, Susan, the two of them were very, very socially active. So we will be seeing not just his involvement with Star Trek, but a glimpse into all of these other projects that he was involved with. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that there was so much reaction to not only Spock, but to Leonard made me realize that the scope of the project had to expand to include the life of Leonard Nimoy. Um, it was, it's definitely Spock-centric. Uh, the majority of the film, I'm pretty sure, will be based on Spock. But I need to make more time now to pay tribute to the life and legacy of the artist behind the character. So we're, we're, we're shifting focus on this film a little bit to, to take in more of Dad's life in addition to just the character of Spock. Now, how much about your relationship with your father and, and, and your relationship with Star Trek will you be going into uh, within the documentary? Might there be a moment you shared with him that perhaps you might be willing to share with us, a, a glimpse perhaps into what people might expect from the documentary? 
Well, yeah, this is this is kind of the third aspect of this film. Now, the more we have progressed in the production of this film, I, you know, I ha I'm working with 455 Films, a production company. They're very well versed in Star Trek. They've worked with Bill Shatner on a number of films, uh, and we've taken on more people to help us. Um, you know, social media people and publicity people. Uh, the Sundance Institute has been helping us. These people have all made me aware of the fact that I need to also interject some of my own personal story uh, and relationship to Star Trek and my dad because that that point of view and that aspect of it is very unique that no one else can really do. Uh, this is what's going to make the film, you know, somewhat unique is that it's also my personal journey uh, and and my uh, my point of view. So. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about what Star Trek means to me, but more particularly the relationship that I had with my dad, which was kind of complicated by his life as a celebrity, his life as an artist, very dedicated to his work, uh, the passion for his work. He's often said that he majored in, in career and minored in family in the early years. Uh, and, and it was uh, challenging. We, there was a lot of conflict, frankly, between my dad and I. Um, you know, when he when he started to, started to slow his career down a little bit, I was a teenager uh, and uh, he had not been around for many years because he was so busy with Star Trek and Mission Impossible. And uh, and when he came back into my life, so to speak, it was uh, it was kind of not a pretty picture. There was a lot of conflict. And the only reason I'm sharing some of that is because in the in the last years of his life, he has switched everything around. He has majored in family and minored in career. And he and I have worked very hard to reconnect in our relationship uh and we've had a lot of you know a very strong bond the last few years a lot of love between us we moved on from the wreckage of our past which enabled us to make this documentary that i made with him in boston about his early life and to start to work on this spock documentary so it's a happy ending that i think i'm going to try to interject as you know to some degree again the focus is is dad and spock but but i'm going to be adding this third dimension of our personal relationship well, thank you for sharing that. That's that's absolutely heartwarming that you were able to uh, reconnect in such a way. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and that led me to thinking, what does separate this documentary from, let's say, other Star Trek documentaries or other books? And really is the unique perspective that you have. Well, not only that, definitely that, but I, I took a lot of notes talking to Dad about things that he wanted to emphasize and some anecdotes that he told me. Uh, that he would like to see in the film. Some of them are in his autobiographies. He's written two of them. Obviously, I am not Spock. I am Spock. Um, so I've drawn a lot from that. But we also have interviews that were conducted this week with uh, with a number of interesting people who uh, uh, knew my dad personally uh, or worked with him professionally, uh, including Bill Shatner, uh, George Takei, Walter Koenig. Uh, we got some very interesting perspectives from them, I think, that has never really been shared before. A lot of deep stuff with with Bill Shatner, um, a, a lot of, uh, um, you know, his personal relationship with my dad, his feelings of love, frankly, for my dad. And uh, and that will be in the film. And that's going to also kind of give it a, a, a unique look. And I spoke to uh, Nicholas Meyer, who directed Star Trek uh, two and six uh, and his perspective on working with dad. Um, I have a gentleman by the name of Ben Shackman, who directed my dad in two very very interesting plays on the opposite ends of, each, of the spectrum of theater. One is Fiddler on the Roof and one is Man in the Glass Booth, both of which Dad gave outstanding performances, you know, because he's an excellent actor and because he had a very top-notch director. So all the, there's a lot of elements that are going to make this film very unique from anything that's been done before. Now, producing a project like this obviously is no easy task, but you are certainly no stranger to the film industry. 
can you talk to us about your experiences and, and, and the resources at your disposal? Well, the, the experience I've had is that I, I've worked as a, a television director uh, in the industry for about 10 seasons. I directed approximately 45 hours of one-hour dramas on network television. So I have a lot of experience in filmmaking. Uh, and I intend to bring you know all of that uh, to bear when when uh, creating this film. I've also been teaching for several years at the New York Film Academy, uh, and we are drawing on some of the resources there to help us with the production of this film. Uh, 455 Films has produced a number of Star Trek-related projects with Bill Shatner, and we are drawing on their experience and their connections uh, to help uh, produce this film. We, are, uh, we have a relationship with the powers that be from whom we have to license film clips. And although we are, are gonna work with them, they're gonna work with us in trying to uh, get the clips that we need within the budget that we have, it's still, you know, it's, gonna, it's a very expensive proposition making these films. So, and we have a composer and a sound editor, we have to get to a dubbing stage, we have more interviews to do, we've, been, we've gone out of pocket uh, with our own uh, resources to create these interviews that we shot this week. We've done extensive amount of research. It's a very complicated, very involved film. Documentaries are, you know, uh, of this class and this caliber are expensive to make, which is one of the reasons we have turned to the, the Trek community to help us make this film um, by supporting us through the Kickstarter campaign. Now, let's talk a little bit about that Kickstarter campaign. What type of perks are you offering for people that, that donate to the project? Well, there's a number of rewards depending on the level of pe that people want to participate in uh, or pledge. Um, there, you know, there are uh, there are PDF files that we can of articles and and uh, photos that people can download. There are uh, signed photographs from cast members that we are sending out. There are screenings that we're going to be having around the country. We are going to provide a a stream of the finished film uh, for people to look at immediately when we start premiering or or release this film. So there's a wide array of things that we're trying to make accessible to people, depending on what level they pledge at. But the whole point of the Kickstarter campaign is that this idea that so many people were affected by the life of Spock, that we are now turning to the fan base to energize those people to come and participate with us. I mean, the, the Kickstarter campaign is not only a way to fund the film, but the way to get people to feel that they are taking part in the production of this film and allow me the resources that I need to make a first-class documentary. And, and a definitive film is really my objective about the lives of Mr. Spock and Leonard Nimoy. Now, you talk about it being the definitive film. What, if, if you could wave a, a, a magic wand, what would be the biggest takeaway you hoped viewers took from the, the documentary itself? Well, you, you're going to have to see it to get the impact. Yeah, I mean, true. <laughs> I mean, really, you, you do. But I, I will say there's a couple of things. Uh, there's a couple of thematic elements that I'm, I'm exploring um, that I want to look at. Number one, in terms of Spock, is that um, what, what it is about that iconic character that appeals to so many different people. I want to explore that. I want to make that, um, you know, kind of clear. I want to, I want to kind of, you know, lay it out and reveal the different aspects of Spock's character that have had such universal appeal um, and and what you know and how he is that legacy has managed to last the last 50 years and I think will go on indefinitely I think Spock will go on to inspire and delight people I hopefully for generations to come so we're gonna look at that we're gonna look at Leonard Nimoy and what he has accomplished from his very humble roots growing up as the son of Russian immigrant parents uh, in the West End of Boston uh, during the depression uh, that is a man who came a very, very long way. He, he came to, 
you know, cross country to Hollywood by himself at age 19 on a three day train trip with dreams and a passion for acting and a career in acting. And the fact that he's, you know, surpassed any of his wildest dreams um, is a story worth telling. And I think a lot of that has to do with his passion. He's always strongly believed that if you have a passion for, for what you're doing in life, for the material you're working on, that, that the possibilities are limitless. That's another big thematic element of the film. And lastly is this thing of his relationship with me. I believe that under the right circumstances, uh, if you are willing to do the work on yourself to let go of some of the uh, things that we had held on to uh, growing up together, you know, I mean, quite honestly, we both went into 12-step recovery, which really helped us focus on our, our own baggage, our own character defects, and learn to let go of the resentments and anger that we had held towards one another for so many years. It was not easy to do. And it took time, but we were both, uh, you know, kind of dedicated to a sober lifestyle and of, of finding a new way to connect to one another. And and if you're willing to do that and take the time and if there's enough love between the parties uh, and enough, enough willingness, you can reconnect. It can be done. The fact of the matter is, six years ago, I was completely estranged from my dad. And the idea of making a documentary with him about his life in Boston was unthinkable, let alone making this documentary about Mr. Spock. So. We've also come a long way in our trajectory, and I think it's just, you know, um, I think it's a, a hopeful story for people who are, that it might resonate with who are in similar situations. Well, Mr. Namoy, I mean, that is uh, truly just astounding, and I really, really cannot wait for this documentary to be completed in time, hopefully, for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Currently, at the time of this recording, with nine days to go, you are at... A little over $400,000 of the $600,000 goal with 5,000 backers. So we need everybody to get behind this so that we can hear this story, so that we can learn about you and your father and his artistry, his craftsmanship as an actor uh, and as a philanthropist. So again, I want to thank you so very much for taking the time to, to talk about the documentary, uh, about your vision for the documentary, about your relationship with your father. Uh, it's been a real honor. Thank you so very much. Is there anything that we did not cover uh, that you'd like to inform our audience about? No, I mean, the, the, uh, we've, we've covered quite a lot of territory about what the breadth of this film is about. But I, the thing that I want to say just in closing is that we, are, we have 10 days left. Uh, we have um, a little less than $200,000 to go to meet our, meet our goal. I want to remind everybody, if we do not meet our goal, we do not get any of that money. We don't get a penny of it. The, uh, the $600,000 goal was what we uh, and the, the producers figured was, was what we needed to make this film. We don't, we don't walk away with all that money. We have to pay commissions to, uh, to the Kickstarter people. Um, and, uh, and I would urge people to please pledge immediately and not wait to the last minute. We need all the support we can get. Uh, there are millions of Star Trek fans out there, and we are asking them to please um, to focus and, and get excited about this project with us and support us in this project by participating in this project. This film is for the fan base. It's, and I think it's going to be a very entertaining and enlightening film for the fan base. So I ask your help, and I'm, I'm asking for it now. Please help us. Well, again, thank you, Mr. Namoy, for joining me here on Priority One Podcast. And, and even if you cannot offer financial support, spread the word. It's important that these things spread like a brush fire. Uh, and if you can't, maybe somebody that you know can. So thank you so very much. It's uh, kickstarter.com. You can search For the Love of Spock, a documentary film, or you can visit the website. And that's fortheloveofspock.com. Please help us and help us now. And as always, live long and prosper.
Let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. First up this week, let's take a look at the holodeck patch notes. In a continuing controversy over the power boards, the stats of the Targhog, Klingon, Federation, and Romulan faction power boards have all been adjusted based on player feedback, so the notes say. They're now all ultra-rare quality, with a 65 speed rating, 150 turn rating, and the same inertia of other boards. Interesting, although... I didn't really want any of those boards, and I have a Live Long and Prosper board, which uh, is now second rate to all those boards, but that's okay. I don't really care about winning the race anyway. I get two tags no matter what. Uh, Also, in a move that upset our own Cookie Cupcakes, they enlarged the cup size of the undershirt bikini top so it is no longer as skimpy. Sorry, Cookie. It's a shame. It's a terrible, terrible shame. I, I consider it a nerf. Nerf. De- definitely definitely nerf. a nerf. The straw that broke the camel's back, really. Also, because of the new featured episode and the end of the three-week featured episode period for House Peg, that episode has been moved to the Iconian War tab in the journal as a level 60-only episode. And they also resolved the issue where the ground and space traits rewarded by opening the packs from House Peg were opposite of what was intended, which was very confusing to many. There are some other things, mostly bug fixes in the notes, as well as more about the featured episode, but we're about to get into that. Yes, that's right. A new featured episode is out this week. Time in a Bottle takes the focus of the Iconian War back to the Delta Quadrant, where Admiral Tuvok and Voyager have been searching for the Krenim. They're a race we know very little about, except that the Vodwar were ordered by the Iconians to destroy them first before they began their campaign in the Delta Quadrant. So, closer to home, we've heard that a Ferengi named Quan is on Drazana Station and in possession of an ancient Krenim artifact. It's your task to join up with Captain Nog to negotiate with Quan to secure the artifact and, hopefully, provide some much-needed clues to help in the effort against the Iconians. I really loved this episode. Five stars for me. Although I made a slight mistake of doing this mission on advanced difficulty without any ground traits. And after a certain intense phase, I'll say, of this mission, my character ended up looking like Kenna after she had visited level 27A. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I think I know the part you mean, and ouch. Yeah. So you can look forward to a more thorough review of this episode in next week's Priority One podcast, but for now, here's Cam with a rundown of the rewards you can expect. Don't worry, Ken, I some creative makeup application will cover those scars. So let's move into the rewards of the mission, Time in a Bottle. Some very interesting rewards in this featured episode. To start off with, we get the same weekly rewards box that was introduced with House of Peg which lets you choose between either a universal upgrade kit or an account-bound box that contains a spec point. You can only get one of these per account per week. The rewards for the first-time playthrough include a decent amount of expertise and specialization points. 720 dilithium, a new Ferengi dance emote, and a Ferengi ground duty officer. Somog is a civilian trader 
that when slotted into a ground slot will gain you gold-pressed latinum when defeating nearby enemies in ground combat. The first week's rewards is a chronoton split beam rifle. We get it at mark 12 very rare with a crit H and two crit D mods. Additionally, it has 5% armor penetration and a 5% chance to proc chronoton radiation. This proc will apply a minus 50% run speed and a minus 50% power recharge speed debuff to your foes. Actually seems like a pretty strong ground weapon. Yeah, I've already switched it in. It is pretty interesting, so I'll be probably be upgrading it uh, a little bit to see what the ultra rare and the epic mods are going to be. For week two, we will get a universal kit module, Chronoton Jolt. This is a universal and can be used by any captain career. According to the tooltip, this module has a player-based area of effect power recharge and speed buff to yourself and allies, and a power recharge and speed debuff to your foes with a chance at a hold. The area of effect is 6 meters. For the last week, we'll see an epic ground device called a Temporal Flux Generator. This device will time shift you for 5 seconds, granting you immunity to all damage while shifted, but prevents use of other abilities. These three items are not part of a set, but look to be very promising anyway. I'm most interested to see whether this new duty officer is going to turn out to be a herald of things to come. So uh, up to now, we've had very little use for extra gold-pressed latinum, so I'm wondering if we'll maybe see some new things coming in the GPL store soon. Hmm, we are supposed to get the ship emotes in there eventually. We'll see if anything else comes along. Yeah, but that's... I wouldn't say that's enough to, to warrant slotting a, a duty officer who's going to get you extra gold-pressed latinum, because... There's, what, three of those? I don't see it expanding so much that you're going to want a big stockpile of it. There's actually six. Six emotes, but yeah. They come They come in packs. Generally, either want them all or you don't care. Yeah. I'd say on, yeah. on average. So that brings us to this week's community question. What are your opinions about the new featured episode and its rewards? Finally, this week, the old V-Bulletin forums gave their final bow on Monday, June 15th, as Perfect World migrated over to the new Vanilla forums, newly live as of the time of this recording, and straining at the massive influx of forumites, the forums will hopefully survive intact without too much further trouble. We've already seen some feedback that the new font and color theme may be a bit headache-inducing, but I haven't personally tried the supposedly improved customization features yet. Really? I like the uh, the white characters on a black background. That's what I use on my ebook readers. It's just easier on my eyes. Uh, I know Cookie wasn't enjoying it, and Kenna, you, you were not the biggest fan of the font, were you? Uh, no, I ended up having to play around with the zoom on my browser a little bit to make it more comfortable, because it started off too big, and then it, it it's not my cup of tea at the moment, but I will uh, withhold any judgments until we're all settled in. The default seems quite small on my second monitor, so I'm, I think it's odd, but I'll have to play around with it more myself. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the forums, DevTracker, and the Twitterverse. Al Captain Gecko Rivera tweeted, Check out William Shatner and Will Wheaton in the latest hashtag brownbagwine chatting about Star Trek, beer, and more. 
and I understand Star Trek Online got a shout out in there. Yeah, did you guys it watch did. it? I, did. I haven't yet. I was at work. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. I mean, Will Wheaton is always charming, and he always talks about Star Trek, you know, pretty fondly. And it was interesting to hear him talking to William Shatner about being able to immerse yourself in something like Star Trek Online. Maria Rosso, a.k.a. Zeronius Rex, tweeted, In a story meeting right now, my proposal for keeping up with the Cardassians was vetoed. Which is a shame, I think. Thank you. <laughs> I did notice that Al did reply to that and say that uh, she had his vote and it was not his decision to quash that story concept. Oh, I was hoping oh. for the next featured episode. Moving on quickly, Jeremy Bordicus Randall tweeted just before tonight's show, I miss the forums. My detector is going crazy. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. There are no weekend events scheduled this week as everyone should be concentrating on the featured episode and the summer festival, but there's a bonus EXP weekend coming up on the 2nd of July, so you might want to plan ahead. That wraps up Star Trek Online news this week. Let's open up hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Admirals, we're at the part of the show when we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community question was, do you play normal and or advanced PvE queues? What do you think about the changes to rewards and will you change which queues you choose to run? We had a lot of replies to last week's show. Unfortunately, we can't go through all of them, but we'll try to squeeze in as many as we can this week. Yeah, may have been close to a new record and it was a good conversation. Shemrocksky said on PriorityOnePodcast.com, I play advanced and elite queues. My main complaint in regards to the PvE queues is the crafting rewards balance. I love the ground elites. There's about one of each type of mark, and that is the way I get my elite marks for sure. Plus, I enjoy ground way more than space right now. Which is funny. Ground has really come around a long way in the last few seasons. I actually see a good number of people who are almost ground aficionados at this point. That is certainly true, and the ground channels are actually booming. Thomas Townley commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com The changes to advanced queue is helpful as some of us don't have friends or fleetmates available to run a private queue. I disagree with Cam. I'm playing to have fun, not as some sort of best that I can be sort of exercise. If we all played like that, what fun would this be? So, I'm with Thomas here. I'm definitely a player who is out for fun in Star Trek Online, and sometimes it can seem like there's a division between the quote-unquote DPS chaser and the rest of us. But I think in reality we're all part of the same community, we're all playing for fun, and we all benefit from having lots of different people playing the game. So I run a pretty modest build and I haven't yet broken 10k, but to be fair, I haven't really been trying. I focus more on the story and my immersion and really getting all the things out of Star Trek Online that I want, but I find it immensely helpful to have people like Cam around, pushing the boundaries of what you can do and, crucially, explaining it to players like me, because ultimately, having a better understanding of game mechanics helps me move through the game more easily and get on with the business of just experiencing the Star Trek universe. I like to think of it as being like it would be in real life 
Even the most skilled captain would constantly be training and improving, especially as we go to war with a new enemy. I, I need to disagree about one thing. This might come as a shock to some of you, so you, you better sit down, but uh, I play for fun as well. It, it, it's true. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That can't be right. I thought DPS was depression per second. <laughs> Everyone has a different perspective of what is fun, and we all have to respect each other's preferences. Ward Callis posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com, I only run Shield Slammer Torp builds. That to me is fun, and I can average 30k DPS without too much effort and just have fun. I've worked extensively with Odin Knight, and I'm helping him with the project he's working on to do a complete workup on Torps. It really bothers me that when many of the traits get introduced into the game, they say all damage, but inevitably get modified to energy weapons. Torps do honestly need to be fixed. 75% damage reduction with one point of shields remaining is stupid. It should scale with shield percent. I've heard that Ward and Odin Knight are putting together some kind of comprehensive guide to torpedoes. I'm really looking forward to seeing this. Yeah, that's something that Ward talked about wanting to do a while back, and I just didn't have the expertise to. Yeah, I think that would be really good. My very first ship build was a pretty canon mix of phaser beam arrays and torpedoes, and sadly it didn't really cut the mustard. So I'd love to learn more about how to max that out and get a decent, usable cannon build. Not cannons, but cannon, on my personal favorite galaxy class. Solar Sun commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com, I must agree with Cam. Now that I can get elite marks by just keeping up with my pug, there's no incentive for me to get better as a player. I can't lie though, we saw this coming. The reputation project where you can get an elite mark for 100 normal marks was the first sign. Tobias LTF replied to the show notes on PriorityOnePodcast.com. I usually stick to the normal cues as I'm only looking for the daily marks bonus package, and I only run advanced and elite cues with fleetmates. Maybe I will give the advanced cues a shot now that the fail conditions have been removed. However, I find that when you are pugging the higher difficulty cues, the more the self-proclaimed DPS elite team members whine about what the other team members are doing and how they are doing it. This is another reason why I stick mainly to pugging normal difficulty. Gets really tiring to hear the constant complaining or harsh criticism that, quote, you suck, go back to playing normal mode, unquote. Regarding the constant complaining and harsh criticism thing, this is only going to get worse. There are toxic people in the game, across the whole spectrum, from casual player to hardcore player. Yeah, to be fair, I've had that in a normal pug queue before and it's not very nice. I do think that there are players out there who could stand to be a little kinder to people when they're playing pugs. I mean, after all, we're meant to be a team, aren't we? That's true, but just because someone is a DPSer does not mean that they're an elitist. Gavin Rudeblade commented on PriorityOnePodcast.com Quick thanks to Jake for the Foundry and Five review. I do enjoy these, and it's good to see an older mission get reviewed. This may be my favorite opening skit yet. It was very fun. I love the bit about sending Kenna to the floor where Dofs go after being assigned to fleet projects. Yeah, that was fun for you, I'm sure. We all like that part. Yeah. <laughs> Changes to rewards and difficulty will not get me to suddenly start queuing on my own, but might change what my friends want to do, and since I follow them, it will indirectly change what I do. 
Special thanks for the detailed answer on beams versus cannons in the community question segment. Also, so sad to hear they cannot do Lizard Spock. Maybe they can get away with Rock, Paper, Scissors, Gorn Spock. I don't know if that would be different enough, though. We received a lot of good comments about last week's show and the community question. Most of them were very well thought out and presented. Unfortunately, there were too many for us to include them all. I recommend checking out all the comments at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO226 and read up on what was missed here. And finally, a few of you have asked us to update our team information on the website. I'm pleased to say it's all updated now, so please head on over to PriorityOnePodcast.com, click on About Us, and then The Team for new pictures and bios of Cam and me, plus more information about the rest of the Priority One podcast team. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash Priority One podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One, or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 227 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. What are your opinions about the new featured episode and its rewards? Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site, on our Facebook page, or with a Twitter reply. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com and stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at STO priority one. You can even join the priority one podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one. Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Thanks to our patrons, we've already hit our monthly running costs. Don't forget, even if you can't offer financial support, sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us your support. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim, Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. The Priority One fleet is recruiting and is reaching Starbase Tier 5 on Saturday. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your ad handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. And now, you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. Thanks to Adam Nimoy for speaking with Elijah this week, and support the documentary by going to fortheloveofspock.com. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast for their ongoing, dedicated, and consistent contributions over the years, including our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, with audio assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan. Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale, to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L, to the writer of our prelude dramas and foundry reviewer, Jake Morgan, to our video editor, Jerry Tillman, to Chris Trone, our social media manager, and to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. 
Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the STO community and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready phasers. Engage. was hopefully it wasn't important i love the ground elites there's about one type <laughs> someday you can do it cam you can see my problem i'm not drinking enough to do feedback solar sun commented on priority one pod i don't even know what that was i forgot all about that i needed more elite marks the other day i've got them now darn p1p.com i said p1p wow you can't say it doesn't exist it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> exist people ignore that ignore ixnay, ixnay. oh that's me that's my name oh, okay don't wear Gap. it out <laughs> yeah how about rock paper scissors gorn vulcan eh i don't think that's me. gorn to fly wah, oh my wah, god wah. that's terrible jace you're welcome most of them were very well thought out and presented, except for yours, if you know you know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I tried to get my grumpy cat pick up there, but they it got shot down, refused. I am terrible. Well, we would have gotten a takedown notice from Grumpy Cat Incorporated or whatever it is. They're they're a juggernaut nowadays. I think they're bigger than CBS. If there's a new Star Trek series, it'll probably be Captain Grumpy Cat. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be so awesome. <laughs>